Let's go. Right. Good morning, people. Good afternoon. Good evening. Same old boring intro every single time. Isn't it? And there's lots of questions, Nicholas. There is lots of questions today. Um, right. I'm going to kick us off. Let's get, let's get moving. Uh, first question in. If you were to create a community group to encourage and educate women 30 to 45 to get into the gym, what would be the most important bits of support for you to provide to give, to give the most value without spending too much time on it per week? I think I... Like I wouldn't fo hyper focus on information, so to speak. Like I would fo like first of all, I think if you're going to kick that off, you need to you need to be showing up every day, in my opinion, for the first two three weeks. So I think you've got to you've got to have that expectation definitely to show up. Um, you know, not really. I, I think the big difference when you in it when you're creating a community group is curating that community and that comes off the back of conversations them feeling safe in the environment like they can say stuff and comment and not be judged or not feel like they're being wrong or 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 whatever so i think i think first of all um what the group is for um is going to be paramount to getting a clear understanding um, and I think, yeah, going on live every day, literally going on live every day, doing bits and pieces, they get to know you and feel comfortable with you. And I think that engagement piece from the start, whether it's asking their opinions, whether it's leaning on um, some longstanding clients that, let's say, you're, are your promoters and are confident to speak out, will encourage other people to get involved. Um, so yeah, I think create the clear aim of the group, first of all, um, even if, you know, it's five minutes a day or if it's 10 minutes a day, you're showing up every day, speaking, talking, trying to curate it, asking for opinions, generating engagement, whacking a little either accountability challenge or, um, competition, something around that just to get the group buzzing and going, I think are really important things. Um, information, the information part is the easy bit. It's curating the engagement. So be social on social media groups. Um, well, can I just add some context to that as well? So this is for someone who is going to try and dominate kind of the local area and is running out of time because they're more or less full. So they're trying to get the biggest bang for the buck by bringing people, females within that group into the local area. So for anyone kind of listening to this or watching it back, um, it's a really good move for a time saver perspective and to try and drag people into your world slightly that maybe not on your social media pages. Um, yeah, so I just thought I'd add a bit of context. Anyway, next question. Mm. Have you spoken about how to get people on the group? Uh, no, but you can, that might be a shout for you to tackle now. I think combine are really, really, 
really good lead magnet with so as an example if you let's say i've put a lead magnet out for x y and z i'm not going to go into what it is um and they you create a landing page for it they pop their name and their email in um and they press submit instead of sending it directly to them um direct them to the group and then also tag them into the post and that way you can start to link it all in and obviously the lead magnet can flow with the demographic that you're trying to attract so it might just be a quick easy way of combining those two things and getting them on next what five things are important to share on social media outside marketing services um outside marketing services um i think the first and foremost the uh, the biggest thing to share is you your number one priority is share as much as you as possible not as in physical appearance um you can do if you want um but yeah as much as your personality as possible that would be my top thing um because people need to see how relatable you are um and break down perceptions and barriers of 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 what personal trainers like. So my first thing would be absolutely 100% relentlessly show you as much as possible. Number two, um, an insight into behind the scenes of your business, like how does certain things run? Why is it there? Um, give people an insight into what certain things look like, i.e. what is the checking process? How does it work and how does it help people? And give people to be a behind the scenes view of how you feedback to your clients, um, what that looks like, what the sessions look like. So a behind the scenes view of that type of stuff. Um, well, this is a tough question, three. Um, number three, more important to share on social media. Uh, number three, number three, number three, number three. Ooh. It's difficult to answer this because I'm going to generalize all of the stuff that I'll probably say. Um, because you could say they're like, if you want to share like behind the scenes of your own coaching as well. So like coaching cues of kind of what you're like in a session and stuff like that, or even your own training at certain points. So people can see that what you do and be inspired by that in some cases some people will say that's not you shouldn't share that because it's not relatable to your audience and i would agree with that as well but it depends on who your audience is um so that's number three uh number four client's journey so like the journey coming into the business um how your clients thinking and feeling videos of your clients not just training but kind of giving you video feedback What's it like to be in your business? How did they feel coming in? Um, what barriers and hurdles have they had to come over in the process? How have they overcome them? How have you supported them? I think that's really powerful to kind of have you, your clients on video and giving you that element of feedback. So they've got that information. And number five, Nick, I'll let you answer number five. What were the first two? I wasn't listening. You prick. <laughs> um, so I've said more about them so them their personality their environment so they can show them more so people can get to know them and then said behind the scenes of the the business so they can see features benefits what that looks like and then said potentially because some people's demographic are inspired by it 
their own kind of training, their own struggles and stuff like that. I then said, number four, client video. So like client video testimonials. So clients can give an insight into what that looks like. You could say um, the client journey as well. So like what it was like coming in, how they fought and felt as they come into the business. And number five, I left for you because I'm struggling. Hmm. <clears throat> that was a really good question. That. Hmm. Um, Do you want me to give you number five? Go on then. I think the other one potentially. Ask me through something then, just thinking. You know what I mean? Well, you were taking too long. Well, well, there's people out there seconds. that think it's the fucking lost signal on the podcast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. About 10 seconds, but probably for pressing you go on, you go playing, on, go on. some crashes, on. causing crashes, you dick. Tell you what. Um, maybe like an insight at this time of year. I think it's really important to give people an insight into what the gym looks like at peak times and like how you're helping your clients who are coming in on sessions away from you to deal with a busy gym environment. I think that's really powerful this time of year as well. So that'd be my five, seeing as I'm Nick was struggling with one. Jesus. Anyway, Four anyway, really, isn't it? I, it was. I struggled <laughs> then. I'm not going to lie. I really struggled. Um, I'm half doing a post and half trying to answer this. Um, if I think my target market and audience is changing, sorry, I'll start again. If I think my target market and audience is changing, what do you think my first step should be? I want to attract more female muscle building than fat loss. Should I ease into it with social media posts? Yeah, I think the first step should be finding out how many of those, that type of demographic are in your business already, potentially, or in your um, or in your ecosystem of leads, whether it's mailing list, um, social media followers, um, gym floor environment. Um, so I'd audit and see who those people are, and you can only do that by either seeking them out, calling them out, getting them to do um, some market research for you. Um, so that, that's the first step I would do is look inside, first of all, you, the assets and the business you've got now um, and the reach you've got right now and see I, and identify who those people are. Um, and yeah, go, go after them. That's the first thing I would do. So social media posts, yep. 100% gym floor questionnaires, anyone inside your business, um, anyone inside your business, like, for example, to refer out any friends, family members, colleagues, etc. So, yes, yeah, the first thing I do and research the hell out of it. So, you know, then how to communicate to them going forward. Morning lead gen activity, quirky ideas, please. Okay, ideas. Um, let me see who this is first. Jamie. Um, okay. So I know your demographic is female fat loss. So morning lead generation activities. I like, honestly, I've done stuff in the past where I've done meet and greets, coffee mornings, breakfast mornings. I've done nutrition, um, nutrition Q and A's. I've done um, a nutrition seminar in the morning. Um, 
what else have I done in the morning? Uh, put on specific inductions at this time of year for new members um, to make them feel more comfortable in the morning and drove that through my classes. Um, what else? Uh, I don't think you can you can ever go wrong with doing stuff like um, grabbing people from the the standard machine work and taking them into a, an area of the gym where you can spend I don't know twenty minutes with them to do an AMRAP, an EMOM, uh, a bit of a mini circuit or whatever it is that you want to call it, where you can show them that currently them walking on an incline of 15% or doing, I don't know, 30 minutes on a Stairmaster, whatever it is, um, can be chopped down to a lot, to, to be a lot shorter and so on and more enjoyable, especially if you're trying to push, say, towards a small group training product where you can start to pull people in and, and stuff like that. So they would be my, a few go-to bits and pieces that I would use. Um, but it's one of them where I wouldn't overcomplicate the process. Um, you're there to get to know people and then data collect to make sure both things are set up for you to do that. Anything you'd add, Nick? No. Nope. Uh, do -do 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 -do. How would you review the quality of your service? These are really good questions today. Yeah. Um, uh, very first thing is going to your clients and asking them. I mean, they're asking them what they think and feel about the service you're providing, breaking that down in a, in a way where um, they can be critical, like the way you prompt the survey or questionnaire or interview um, is going to be important. And the way you frame the questions and give options is going to be important as well. So I think the very first thing is survey, interview, do a mini questionnaire with the clients you've got now from how they came into your business, why they came into your business, the original objectives, um, how they feel the services, um, how happy they are with the service they provide, the value for money they feel they're getting. Um, are there anything you could improve or they would like to see more of, less of, differently um, when it comes to communication, program design, delivery, times, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is the results that people are getting. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, the end result. Um, and the retention as well. The retention referrals to results. Anything else? No, let's go. As mentors what are some of the main things you come across that pts lack the most oh god bloody hell um i think the biggest one is confidence um and that affects all areas of the business self-limiting beliefs it then causes you to and in fact i'm literally writing a post at this moment in time on paralysis by analysis where we're seeing it loads at the minute not with yeah with a couple of people in the academy but just in people in general who are coming to us for help in other areas uh, where they're just completely overanalyzing things and putting things off. Um, and that's making them feel worse. So I would say confidence um, that then causes them to overanalyze things, that then causes them to procrastinate, that then causes them to get overwhelmed, that then causes self-limiting beliefs. And then it's just a really battle and cycle to get out of that. And I think, first of all, what I will say is all of that is normal. Like everyone goes through it. 
but there has to be a system in place to to try and break through it. And it's one of them where we need to, another thing that a lot of PTs get wrong is that they, they're trying to be perfect because we're an industry that chases perfection, whether that's within our training, whether that's within the way that we, we look um, or whatever. So that then starts to drip feed into our mindsets within our business. And when something's not perfect, we put it off again. So I would say that they're the main things that most PTs struggle with. And I think the last point, and I'll let Nick add some because there's clearly the list that we can give you. Um, the last point is respect for a plan. Like we harp on, most coaches harp on about how important it is to put a plan in place for clients to achieve fat loss or muscle gain or performance-based goals, but they don't put a plan in place for any area of their business. Um, so whether that's business planning, I think first and foremost, um, but more so having a marketing plan that they actually stick to measure and are consistent with. Um, yeah, I would say that they're the main things. Anything you would add, Nicholas? <clears throat> uh, have you mentioned about running their business as a business? Not really. You want to really just start listening to what the fucking things are. I'm saying. distracted today, to be honest. Fucking hell. No, I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit distracted. Um, I think I think a huge one is is separating your business from from you as a person. Um, I think is a big as a big one. I think a lot of people, um, and it's it's natural and it's never going to go away. And there's always going to be an element of it, but you just get better at dealing with it as you go on. But I think separating your business from from yourself is important. Um, as in, and I think it comes with you know treating your business as a business in regards to having accountability over everything from opening and closing times to tracking, measuring your business, like you mentioned, have a having a plan. Um, yeah, being accountable, seeing your service, separating you from your service slightly. Like when people say no, it's nine times out of 10 because they don't feel the service is going to deliver the results. Um, so, yeah, I think just separating those two things is a big thing. Hard, but. Next one. Um, a client said they would come back to train with me in Jan. I messaged once but haven't heard back. How much? Should I follow up until I give up? Boy. It's a really hard question to answer, to be fair. I think um, right now I would do I would do one or two. Um, I wouldn't message, I'd call, I'd call. If someone hasn't re replied back on a message, they're either too busy or they don't want to reply. Um, let's be honest. I mean, we've all ghosted people and um, not messaged people back because we don't want to talk to them or we're avoiding something. So I think that's a bit of an indication, but um, I think just ring, a ring, voice note, um, and give give a deadline, i.e. I'm sorting the schedule out for the next few weeks, need to know by the, in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, whether you're coming on board or not. If not, no problem at all. Um, let me know if you need anything in the meantime while you're waiting, if it's not the right time, blah, blah, blah. So I think, yeah, just give a deadline, give a deadline, um, give them a ring, drop them voice note. Um, 
yeah, if the message hasn't worked, yeah, I'll do that. After that, no, I wouldn't. Um, what's the best software for scheduling content for socials? Um, the best free one is Facebook Studio Creator, in my opinion, and the best paid one is Buffer, in my opinion. How often should you switch up your lead magnets? Good question. Oh, the good today. Um, oh, that's a good question. I um, I think. I think putting a different spin on that, how often should you switch up um, promoting and talking about your lead magnet? Um, because your lead magnet, you know, um, could potentially always be there, like on your link tree or your website, for example, or on a pop-up when people land on your website. Um, but how much you promote it will depend a little bit on the intent behind your marketing and what you want to get from that. If you're running a campaign, to um, take some online clients on at the end of the month or next month, or you're releasing this or releasing that. Um, so I think timeline, every month or two, you know, um, but again, it depends how much you are pushing it online, I think, and how long you push it for and what the intent is behind it. And making it really relevant as well, not just doing it because it's a, a strategy. Anything else to add to that? No, agree, agree, agree. Oh, here's whose questions this now? Not mine. What makes a great coach? You get what you got all the good questions. There. I have today, Anna. I have. Thank. Oh, I love this question. Can you read it out so everyone can hear, please? No. You dick. No, I'm pissed off. Uh, what makes a great coach? Okay, what makes a great coach is you are, have to be an unbelievable listener. Um, you have to be an unbelievable listener. Um, you have to show that you, you understand and you have to search out a level of understanding. Um, in my opinion, you have to mirror personality uh, as much as you can within a client. Um, so you can adapt to different people. So I think that's important. Um, I think that's really important from a coaching perspective. Um, what else makes a great coach? I, I think aim to speak 20% of the time and let your client speak 80% of the time. I think that's a good attribute of a great coach. Show empathy, show compassion, show understanding. Um, show that you can guide and lead as well. So when your clients are struggling and maybe need to lean on you for a little bit of accountability, like you're there to create options, meaningful options, stuff that's not going to, gonna I suppose paralyze the, the choices that they they make because there's too many of them and stuff like that um <clears throat> what else i think the the standard stuff that a lot of personal trainers miss out is that a, a great coach delivers a, a really solid client-centered service with customer service at the, the forefront of it um where each client who comes to you, whether they're the third, fourth, fifth or sixth client of the day, that they get the same service as the first one and they get the same attention from you. I think that's really, really important. Um, 
I think what's also, you have to be knowledgeable. You have to be knowledgeable and able to adapt to get people results. I think a great coach is neutral. And this is where I went wrong in my, probably my first, if I'm dead honest, first 10 years of being a, a personal trainer. Um, I, I really lent and had biases towards the stuff that I was passionate about and learned, um, which is obviously always good to have. But then sometimes when you you unknowingly start to suggest things and give advice from that from that bias and you start to assume and that curse of knowledge creeps in and stuff like that um so i think you stay neutral and whether it's someone who comes to you depending on your values beliefs needs and wants and stuff as a business but anyone who comes to you whether it's a performance-based goal whether it's a transformation-based goal that you can adapt your your programming your coaching and your service to that person if they sit within the market that you want to work with um, yeah, there's some of the main points. I'll let Nick any more that you want to add. The only one I'd really have added there is is the um, it's a really obvious one, but I just don't think it's practice enough. Um, it's just it's just being um, having the client's um, best interest at heart. I think you know you mentioned about taking away your biases and your preferences um, and your ego. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's the best thing for clients is to give them a break, is to stop coaching them for a time. Sometimes it, it's to sit and listen and not to really want, get overly frustrated with a client because they're not reading your expectations. And I think that can cloud both your judgment and your communication, which can sometimes create a gap. So, yeah, I think just being completely, for one of better terms, like client-centered and want the best for them, whatever way that looks. Off that now. Yeah, I love these questions today. Is this the last one? Yeah. What would giving valuable... What would giving valuable for a check-in look like and how best to present them written voice notes? Okay, so I reckon that. What would giving valuable advice for a check-in look like and how best to present them written voice notes, etc. How, what would giving valuable advice for a check-in look like? Um, first of all, like what information to give is completely dependent on the person. But um, I think how you get people to check in is dependent on how much they understand how they get, what they're going to get back from it, um, how that's going to help them. And I think potentially having, and you put there about having written voice notes, little mini videos, emails, whatever it is. I think the way that you feed back to people has got to be individual. I really do because everybody takes feedback in different ways. Um, so I think finding that out and having those options, but having it a bit of a smooth process so it can be quick and easy and not you jumping from one thing to the next is really important. Um, when you're working with individual one-to-one -one clients, you could probably change that if you're, if you're doing small group, larger group, um, et cetera. So I think, yeah, the feedback is going to be really important. And I think asking them, just asking how would you like your feedback, when would you like your feedback, um, you know, some people want it blunt to the point, bullet point short. Some people want to know the reason why behind it. So I think uh, how you give feedback 
to that person is going to be important. Um, and, but it all it will all come off the back of uh, setting people up to um, check in in a convenient, quick way that is going to give you the information, going to give them and going to give you the information to then coach upon. Um, so I think that will be built up from like what information to, to gather and to ask and to what questions to ask is going to be completely dependent on the individual, your demographic, what stage they're at. Um, but I do think keeping it relevant and simple, like, for example, in the first month, if you're asking people how much water they're drinking and how many hours of sleep they're getting and how many calories they're consuming and how much protein they're doing and how many steps they're doing and how, every single week, you'll probably find they stop doing that because it's just too much. What's the one big thing that is going to make the impact towards their goals? That's what I'd be asking myself for the check-in. And then just some ref a couple of reflective questions, uh, like our go-to, which opens up conversations for, for us to give feedback is biggest win challenge and um, for the past week and what do you feel you can do to overcome that? And that gives us context to coach from. Okay, okay. Right, there's a couple more questions in the group. That was a good answer. Well done, Nick. Um, Thanks, Anthony. Thanks so much for that. Not a fucking problem. Having Thanks, someone... Thanks so much. Don't be a dick. Come on, hurry up. Having, having someone ask why my cutoff for my marketing survey is a particular age, any advice on how to respond to that? How many someone ask why? So someone's turned around and he's, he's obviously gone out and gone, I want to work with this type of demographic between this yeah. age and all of that. And someone said, well, why are you doing it for that age group? He's, someone's calling, he's an ageist, I reckon. <laughs> it's one of them where you just, you're just going to have to go back and go, well, from a marketing sense, that's the, the, the average market. That's the age range of the average market I work with. It's not exclusive to that market. Like I work with older and younger people, but predominantly they're within that age group. So that's why I want to find out a little bit more. That's it. Yeah, I can imagine some, some people are just dickheads, aren't they? Um, yeah, but I would just be incredibly honest, just say the majority of people within my business are that, that age group. So I want to learn more about them. Doesn't mean to say that I'm being ageist in a, in a sense of I don't work with say 46 year olds if I'm aiming for 30 to 45. Um, it's just basically I'm trying to learn more about that de a demographic within that age range. That's why when you put something out there, just putting cut in brackets, not exclusive, but obviously that's the age range that you want to find out a little bit more about. Um, clearly, it's a general overview. So just be incredibly honest that you, you're just doing more market research and that's predominantly the age ages that you cover. On to fuck off, Sam. Um, Morning, guys. I have a quick question. I've done a consultation with a lead and she's keen to start. However, said she isn't keen on the, on the subscription payment and would rather pay monthly and manually and is even willing to pay two months in advance. I will call her later to, to discuss, but any thoughts on this? Can't really figure out why her way would have be of any benefit, to be honest. Ooh. Um, it's a difficult one because you obviously want them revenue coming into your business, but also I think, and it may be, maybe you have a one-off where you, you say, yep, yeah, crack on, but 
you know, if she joins the gym, she only got one way of paying. Do you know what I mean? She can't barter back and forth. And I know it's a personal service and I know it, you, you've got the ability to do that. But um, if someone is willing, doesn't, wants to pay manually, wants to pay manually and look, I would, I would say these are my payment options. Um, is there any particular reason why? Just ask, I would. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like if you if it's a one-off, you make a judgment call, don't you? Um, I'm not. I, I don't think I can sit here and say you shouldn't. You shouldn't take the money, but I would. I would definitely seek to understand a little bit more beforehand. Um, yeah, it's a bit weird. That anything else on that? No, I, I think that at the end of the day what she needs to probably see is why you do it that way. So if you're, say, mapping out six months' worth of coaching and she pays on a reoccurring payment once a month, mm -hmm. um, that's the, the price point of your service. Like Nick said, like any business in any industry dictates how people pay. Like, that's just, for me, that's a non-negotiable. Um, and the reason why you need to do it, so just show her, this is what I'm planning to do. If you, if I go month by month with you or two months. Basically, I can only program and position a service for that length of time when we need, and it depends on the client, but we might need three, four months. And that's what I'm going to plan for. I'm going to plan to basically help you get the result and the outcome, not the time of one or two months. So you either want me to plan and put a system in place and a process in place to, to, to make sure that you achieve that result and then map that out and then take payment and systemize the payment and, and stuff like that throughout that whole process. Or you want me to program you and plan you for say the two months up front that you pay me. And if I do that, you won't get to the outcome or the result. We can be on our way, but I can only plan for two months. So she needs to see why you're doing what you're doing probably. So she understands the context behind it. That's the only thing that I would say. Is there any more? Don't think so. Guys, any more for any more? It's quite a few on this morning. It's lovely, isn't it? It's lovely. It's lovely to be joined by everyone, isn't it? Anthony, Anthony, fuck Anthony. Up. Nick, fuck up. Do you know how hard it's been trying to do a caption for a post whilst being on a live Q&A? That just shows, <laughs> by the way, that I might fucking lectures all at organising your time and all of that, but I realised last night that I'd not scheduled a post. Then it fucked me up. And now look at me. Look here. Look no, at me. Just look here. Like, hey, it happens to the best of us, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean, Nick? Uh, any more for any more? Any more for any more? Any more for any more? Any questions, Mr. Andy Rose, Matthew, Nick? Andy Rose is the question, man. Um, <clears throat> if not... Hey, listen... Tremendous. That's my key word today because I've not heard it said and I heard it. I was heard it said. I went to Layson's football last night and someone said tremendous pass. And I was like, that's a fucking great word. I'm going to start using that again. Mm. I've even put it in my caption. Tremendous. Yeah. Mm. Tremendous. What, yeah. What, so take that word. It's been a tremendous live QA. Tremendous. Ah, oh, no. Oh. Trying to rein it in a bit. <laughs> Uh, I thought Andy was going to throw us one there. Um, right, peeps.
Peeps, fucking hell, I'm going. Oh, no, fucking hell. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye.